0: Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. It's Phil here today with Logan and John. Episode number 145, and we're going to talk about making copies of pieces and turning them into projects. We'll also talk about some tool stuff and updates at Popular Woodworking and Woodsmith and just all kinds of other fun stuff. So, and don't forget to stick around for this episode's free plan later on in the show. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Titebond. You want a glue that you can trust. And fortunately, Titebond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Titebond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit
1: typebond.com. Now, I want to point out people need to make sure they call fast because those free plans are going to sell out. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Yeah. So they need to make sure. Yeah, they call while supplies out. last. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: Yep. We only have a limited number of PDFs. That's right. Last week, we talked about the episode was called sneaking spoons across the border and Logan's perhaps getting another lathe plus stroke sander. Maybe.
1: Maybe. So we'll see. He had a we'll couple see of,
0: a couple of responses to that. Uh, Glenn writes, my dad's father was a carpenter. He was also a fine craftsman. I remember his shop. It was the second floor of a multi-unit garage. I don't recall many specifics about the shop, but I do recall that he had a stroke sander. I was five or six at the time, and the sander appeared to be enormous. Even when you're an adult, they're norm- enormous, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for me, I didn't develop an interest in woodworking until long after he passed away. Uh, George writes I had a stroke sander in the high school wood shop where I taught. It took a 298 inch belt. Yes. The students loved using it and called it Big Wally. Why not? The school's (laughs) insurance company made us get rid of it because there was no way to put guards on it. I thought it was stupid because in the 30 years I had no injuries ever happen. Another guy, Kevin, talked about, because Logan brought up that New Yankee Workshop is on the YouTubes, as if you needed more reason to spend time on YouTube. but New Yankee Workshop is there. Kevin Thomas writes, I got into woodworking from watching the New Yankee Workshop. Um. Jeff Kowalski says, it took me until minute 38.55 of the last episode to remove and install a bl- bandsaw blade, tension it, true it, and successfully test resaw some cherry. Thanks for the backroom chatter.
1: All right. So are we trying too hard or is he not trying hard enough if it took. Like- that much of our podcast it's probably just had to
2: stop and chuckle and laugh and probably probably. all that yeah Mm -hmm. so it took longer
0: yeah so we love hearing your comments and questions that go along with it uh you can email us woodsmith at woodsmith.com put it in the comment section on our youtube channel making sure you subscribe or uh drop us a postcard that still works too sometimes so
1: I'm just thinking 286 inches.
0: Yeah. Somebody said 290 something. Yeah.
1: 290. My bandsaw mill blades are 167 inches. Wow. Like that's ridiculous. Like that's
0: huge. That's a lot of grits on the paper.
2: Mm -hmm. By my calculations, that's at least two football fields. (laughs) 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 I just did that in my head real quick.
0: Yeah, that seems right. So what's, are you, are you getting the stroke sander?
1: I don't know. I haven't, I haven't driven out there yet. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was kind of in passing when Norman said, you know, All I got a stroke sander, you should take two. Um, and you, you don't like, I mean, I think that saying, well. What about that second machine too? Is is maybe pressing my luck until I'm there. Um, <laughs> then we'll see. Let's get the lathe loaded up first before I start prying on the other machinery. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you're like almost to the point where you're gonna have to start thinking about adding on to your shop that's not even done. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, my wife made that exact comment yesterday. Ah, um yeah (sighs) we'll see I got half the building that's storage and I never really I mean I said the camper has to go in there but the rest of it like can be whatever storage right right Mm -hmm. I haven't parked my truck inside of our garage for five years now why do I need to park it in the garage in the shop for the next five years right you fit a whole lot of machinery Mm -hmm. where uh
0: Or you get like one of those like auto lifts where you just lift it up. So you have like another lathe
1: above the one lathe. Yes. See, I, I do like the idea of having, like, there's, I, we've talked about this. There's a few things I think I would enjoy having two of. Okay. Okay. Bandsaw's a one because I think you set one up for resawing. That's your resaw. Right. Your other ones, your other, everything else. Yeah. Right. Um, I never thought I needed two table saws, although seeing um, my guy, Willie Sandry out in Portland, uh, writes a lot for Popwood. Um, he has two. He has a saw stop and then he has a Laguna. Um, and he has one set up as his dado saw. No, kind of. He has one set up as his like ripping and cross cutting saw. And he has one set up as what he calls his joinery saw. Okay. Um, in our shop here in the office, we have, I would say we, we kind of have two saws. We got a dado saw we got a cutting saw. We actually have two different, you know, standard cutting saws, but we have one that's always has a dado blade. I could see the um, argument for having two table saws. I do think having two lathes, however would kind of be fun right? because if I'm working on a big, huge hollow form, which I would like to start doing some really big hollow forms, I'm, I'm talking like three foot long ones, it would be really nice to be able to set one up and just leave it. You know what I mean? Like you get sure. the stay your ass everything set up. You get the hollowing, the boring bars and the arms and everything set up, and then you just let it sit. So...
0: Well, that's what I was wondering. Like, if you have two lathes, do you have one that's kind of like a bowl lathe and another one that's a spindle lathe, or is that not that much of a setup issue? It's, difference? It's
1: not that much of a setup issue because really, you're just, in my opinion, you're just pulling a chuck off and putting a spur drive on, right? So, not that big deal. I think it's more of like the setting. The biggest setup on a lathe is going to be. The steady rests, so the things that capture the form with wheels sure, um, to help support some weight, and the boring bars, because the boring bars and the hollowing systems a lot of times get bolted to the bed. Oh, yeah. So yeah. once you get all that stuff bolted on, and a big hollow form takes a long time to turn. So you're probably going to do it in four or five settings. So, you know, it's funny. And not to turn every podcast into a discussion about buying unnecessary crap, but that's kind of how. I roll. There's a 24 inch metal lathe here, like three miles north of me, for sale, and it's for sale for a really good price. What I think is a really good price. I'm not gonna go buy it because I'm I'm screaming uncle. Like yeah, I you're all lathed up. I I need my wife to stay with me, (laughs) (laughs) so I'm not gonna go get it. But it's like ooh, hey, if that's still there in a year, maybe we go get it.
2: You can always get it and then flip it, you know, down the
1: road. That's always what I say. I'm going to do (laughs) stuff, John, (laughs) and I never do it.
0: (sighs) So that's a good discussion question for people who are going to comment or who haven't commented. Like what tools in your shop are worth having multiples of? And I, I guess I would leave out like the drill driver sort of thing. You know, yeah. or tools that already come in sets, like don't tell me that you have six chisels. <laughs> but if you have multiple sets of chisels, like in different styles, mm-hmm. then tell me why, because that would be an interesting discussion.
1: And it, now, no norm has multiple routers.
2: Right. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, having multiple routers is nice because you can have one in the router table, one handheld. Yeah. Maybe have a little compact router.
0: Yeah. And I never thought I would actually be one of those guys because I'm cheap. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I have my 690, like that's all the router that you need. And just deal with one router. Like, you know, our ancestors crossed the prairie in covered wagons. I can take my router out of the router table and use it handheld and then put it back in and And then I got a little Bosch Colt router, and it's like, it's nice to have two routers.
2: Yeah. Not saying that you have to go out when you're starting woodworking and buy three routers. It's something to collect over time. Yes,
0: Mm -hmm. that's true. You can work a long time. I mean, my dad was a woodworker for probably close to 40 years before he got a second router. So it's possible Mm -hmm and I did my woodworking 20 plus years before I got a second router, so it, it does work. Yeah. Cause I was like slash don't like the people who it's like, you can do X operation with just these three tools. I don't and wouldn't,
2: mm-hmm. but you could.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah. cause I think when with routers, you just start out like doing edge profiles and stuff. and just having one routers, you know, okay for that. So when you start getting into joinery and all kinds of other stuff that, you know, you figure out that how you, uh, useful routers are. And-
0: yeah. And then you start, and then the, the question that I would have for people is, you know, say you have multiple routers. Do you in your shop have more than one router table?
1: Hmm. It's a lot of flat real estate that you're taking yeah. up with two router tables
0: says the guy with two lathes yeah well okay
1: yes <laughs> technically only well okay technically i do have two right now but <laughs> yes but i'm just thinking like that's a lot i mean that's a lot of square footage true to, yeah. it
0: is yeah but i you know like in the same way that you can justify two lathes there are those who would just yes. or two bandsaws somebody could justify mm-hmm. two router tables that you could have one mm-hmm. with You know that you have set up for pattern work you know with a Mm -hmm. pretty stout flush trim bit or a pattern bit in there Mm -hmm. and then another one for you know mill work for lack of a better term that you just swap out different profile bits or something like that yeah
2: yeah and maybe one's a full-size router table and maybe you have another compact router table or something yeah yeah because most of the time you can get stuff done on small router tables
1: yeah Now I will say I would really, I would highly consider, um, would you consider a router and a shaper the same tool or just inherently different enough?
0: Uh, I guess for the kinds of things that, you know, your average woodsmith, uh, Mm -hmm. popular woodworking reader, if they had a shaper plus a router table, I would call those more or less interchangeable tools yeah yeah because you're probably using them for the same sorts of things
1: yeah i would consider picking up a big old heavy cast iron shaper okay um and having that as well as my router table i would also highly consider putting a router insert in my table saw wing okay which i think would be an interesting thing to be able to leave it set up for the most part with like, you know, a uh, chamfer bit or something like that, you yeah. know, something you're going to use all the time. Sure. So I think that would work out pretty well. Plus you already have that square footage allocated to your table saw, pack another tool on it.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I think that's a, that's a great way to do it. If you're going to have a second one or, you know, say you have your router table in your table saw wing, then you would add another router table in order to leave your table saw set up or yeah or whatever on stuff like that. So, you know, one of the comments that, and slash questions that we get is, you know, talking about must have or essential tools, you know, or starter sets like that, which are fun discussions and can really quickly get subjective. I think it's also kind of interesting to hear like what people would have, you know, like we're talking about right now, what are doubles that you would have that are essential? You know, it wouldn't, you know, like me, I don't have one lathe, much less two, but it's going to be super handy for you. Um, I could see having two router tables because I have a, my one currently is just that compact fold up router table that we did. And it works great, but I would like to have something that's just a little bit larger with a little beefier of a router in it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I think if you are smart about it, you just get a shopsmith and then you get five tools in one footprint. <laughs> That's for all the Shopsmith people. Brass that people we are shop not Smith. the same company as Shopsmith,
0: right? Mm. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. Woodsmith plus shop notes equals Shopsmith. No, or wood notes.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys like i, I don't know if people realize that they still mani- they still make those dang things. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, who is buying them? Like, I want to know if somebody's buying them because, kind of odd. <laughs> for, for what it, is, I mean, for what it is, right? Like, it's a so the Mark Seven uh, has seven woodworking tools. Okay, the Mark Seven has a table saw, a lathe, a drill press, a disc sander, horizontal boring, over under table router, over under table shaper, and then it says seven functions train clock. I don't know what that means, but um, so like. I don't, I just feel dirty looking at these pictures. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: if you have a shop Smith and love it, Logan wants to know why, just why?
1: (laughs) Why? Yeah. Well, and they're expensive from, from what I, yeah. So the Mark seven, um, which is still available new Mm -hmm. is available for $4,800. Okay. Now, Which seems
2: reasonable for all of those tools. I mean, if you're going to buy all those tools, yeah, kind of add up. It does. To that. I don't know. I
1: mean, yeah. I mean, I guess if you're if you're looking at purchasing new, I'm thinking mm-hmm. for for that price, you could buy higher quality used tools. Um, that would add up to about that price. But again, this is me as an outsider. Full disclosure: I have never used one, so I have no idea what the quality of them are. Right. I've never used one, never touched one. Um, That would be something
0: for, uh, you know, talk to Chuck from the Des Moines Woodworkers because he has a cabin in northern Wisconsin and spends quite a bit of time Mm -hmm. up there. And he wanted some woodworking tools up there, but was like, I don't need, like, a whole duplicate of my shop up there. So he has a shopsmith up there that he can use for... Woodworking projects and, you know, maintenance issues around projects around the cabin and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, the real winner of this podcast is somebody that has two shopsmiths, you know, duplicate <laughs> shopsmiths. <laughs> so, um, comment? Are they the winner? You, are they yeah, the winner? I don't know. John? I don't know. I mean, it seems like yeah. You know, uh,
0: I mean, just the I idea mean, of comp. Combination tools is interesting because you had the yeah. Grizzly jointer planer in that
1: yeah. it's like
0: lunchbox style. Because we have the big Rycon in the shop, mm-hmm. which uh I've come to love. So
1: yeah. oh yeah, it's a great tool.
0: Yeah. And then you sent me a link for uh <laughs> yeah, what was it, American. a Yates American table saw <laughs> yep. Yep. that also had like a little jointer table off on one side and a disc sander. Yeah, because it's like it, it felt like every time I looked at that photo that that saw had more on it it was yeah. like wait I is mean, that a jointer yeah.
1: Yeah, so is everything powered off
2: the same motor is it always yeah. all running yes. all at the same time yeah
1: yeah. yeah. Wow.
0: that's crazy there's just like belts and you know yeah. gerbils on the inside just kind of
2: I wonder if you can use them all like different people <laughs> using them different things or will it bog down Ooh, I don't know that would be interesting to find out like what's the yeah. like a whole workstation
0: I mean, the table saw and disc sander is kind of a genius idea because.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just spinning wheels.
1: Well, isn't there somebody that somebody makes a disc like an aluminum disc to go on your table saw? Right. I don't remember. Yeah. There's
0: quite a few people that do that. I think Uh forest has some and a few other like that was popular for a while. You know, just having a steel plate that that you could put a disc sander on. I, Mm -hmm. To me, it was always, uh like, I get it, and, again, it probably works really well for some people, but uh, it's just, like, the wrong orientation, you know, because you're standing to the side of it. It's not, you know, most table saws, you can't really get up to the face of the disc in the way that you would with a standalone disc sander.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a reader's tip. You just put... Yeah. PSA sandpaper on your table on your saw
2: blade. Saw blade yeah. Sand yeah. while you cut. Yeah. Yes.
1: yes. That was it's actually a like thing. The Not sandpaper. that
0: long ago we got one in where it was a blade saw blade that had sandpaper on it. And as oh, you Lord. cut it, it sanded the edge. So it was like the Cutco interslice sanding blade something or other. I don't remember what it was. Do you remember when that came in, John? We had that.
2: It it seems like, yes. Like I've seen that. Maybe I dreamt it. Yeah. Maybe it's just a fever dream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like, I tell my kids, I tell my kids, you know, your teachers probably tell you there are no dumb questions. That's a lie. There are dumb (laughs) and they ask them all the time. (laughs) And when they say that there's no dumb ideas, Hmm. There are some dumb ideas <laughs> now. It might work. It might work. Right. Doesn't mean it should.
0: <laughs> so it'd be interesting to know, yeah. like how many of those Yates American saws were made. Cause that was a pretty beefy saw. Was it a 10 yeah, inch or was it, was it a 12?
1: It was 10. It was, it was a 10, 10 inch. inch. Okay. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. It, I think it was like. It struck me as like a '60s saw, like a '50s or '60s saw. Kind of
0: looked like it, yeah.
1: Um, that's kind of what I'm, I'm guessing. Kind of when people started to get home from the war, they wanted to pick up a, you know, hobby they could do in their one stall garage. You know, American, made in America, mm-hmm. from recycled German tanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they did that, but they should have. Right?
0: Maybe they did. I don't know. It's
1: actually all the Felder stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Made from recycled German table saws.
1: Yep. Speaking of which, there is, uh, over by this lathe that I have to go pick up, not to keep circling back to this thing, but there is a sliding Felder table saw over there for sale. It just looks huge, though. Like It looks like it would take up every square inch of the table saw area I have designated in the shop, like the table saw slash bench area. Right. Like just like this huge, like articulating everything moves on it as you slide a, you know, eight foot panel across it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks cool. Yeah. And it's a great price because a Felder sliding table saw is north of 15 grand to buy one new. Right. Like they're, they're expensive. So,
0: then you could get one of their uh, expanding dado cutters that they have for them that we talked oh, that about if you see what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, that is true.
0: Hmm. I want to thank Tight Bond for their sponsorship of this episode. You want a glue that you can trust. And fortunately, Tight Bond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance. Look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. All right, John, you got any tools that you would have doubles of if you could?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mentioned the router. Yeah. I don't know. It's always nice, like we've said, it's nice having two table saws, especially when you're doing, uh, uh, rabbited, uh, drawer, drawer joinery. Cause I always had the, like, when we had two table saws down at the other video studio, I'd set one up with, you know, for the fronts and backs, <laughs> one up for the ends and just like go back and forth and rather than changing the setup, but that's fair. Other, other than what we've already mentioned, as far as like the band saws and the, and the table saws, that's a, that kind of covers it I guess. For me, I don't like like you. I don't I'm not a lathe person, so I don't need a lathe and that kind of thing. So
1: you know, I know. what I would think would be kind of a interesting two tool combo would be like a not two miter saws cuz that seems silly, but like a miter saw and a regular arm saw combo. Okay. Like have mm-hmm. I mean I I think there's a legitimate reason to have both. Um, you know, like radial arm saw is great for cutting your arm off and getting <laughs> big pieces broke down quickly. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm I'm one of the few people that I probably that probably do this, but like, I do not mind cutting parts to length on the miter saw. Like with a right. good blade and a well set up saw, you'll get a clean cut. Like you'll get as clean a cut as you mm-hmm. will as a table saw. So, you know, I could see, I could see having a miter saw station set up for final cut of parts right but then a radial arm station for breaking mm-hmm. stock down
2: sure and those could kind of have a, the, a shared footprint oh yeah yeah, as oh, as like, yeah they you know, absolutely the length. Could. they could right. kind of they can kind of overlap yeah right so i think yeah, that
0: would true. be yeah, kind of cool because i know you know and we've been guilty of it is you see like get the most out of your miter saw kind of a thing and it's You know, put a zero clearance insert and get a 645 tooth blade for super accurate cuts, blah, blah, blah. And then just use it for breaking down stock,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, and that's awesome. But just whacking eight quarter cherry planks to length is probably not the optimal use of a high tooth count. Yeah. You know blade on there. Just get something that just cuts it down because it's going to get cut to its final length somewhere yeah. else. So, yeah, I could see that. That would be mm-hmm. cool because you could have a nice blade in the miter saw and then an aggressive something, more blade. aggressive one. Yeah. Self-feeding blade in the, yeah. Yes. Negative tooth angle yes. but something that cuts faster. Yeah.
1: So, if you had that you could set your real arm saw up as a dado saw.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Been watching Norm do that on the YouTubes.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. And you can still cut things to like chop stuff to length with yeah. it. Yeah. Just, just a, a wider low, curve. Just a yeah, wider just curve. Lower
1: yeah. that blade down a couple passes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's make that final skim pass with the dado. Mm-hmm. There's Let's no deflection that way. Yeah, I'm just going to clean up this last three-quarter of an inch here at the dado saw.
1: (laughs) I see nothing wrong with this. (laughs) So, question. Do you guys think, just thinking about the whole, like, miter saw, radial arm saw type thing, do you guys think there is going to be a point fairly soon where we have laser saws? Because we have laser cutters that can cut three-quarter inch yeah. hardwood, right? Right. You could quite easily put that laser head on a sliding gantry where you could hand-feed it. Just zoop.
2: Yeah. I don't know if they were there, you know, economically right. speaking. Oh, like...
1: uh, there's. yeah, this has nothing to do with economically <laughs> speaking.
2: <laughs> oh okay
1: <laughs> well like i mean if you think about it though right you're you're just putting power into it you don't have a consumable blade then mm-hmm. i mean i guess technically you have a consumable tube because it'd have to be like fiber probably or co2 um i just i was just for some reason i felt like i saw something recently that was like a freehand laser kind of like a you know a like, Are we watching Star Wars, yeah, maybe. Yes, maybe. Like, well, like, I, th- I feel like it was like it looked like a Ouija board thing, you know, but it was like a laser uh, yeah. and you could like basically pierce with it. Um, it was like kind of like a laser scroll saw,
0: okay.
1: um, which was kind of interesting. Um, and it could be one of those like Chinese prototypes that was actually getting delivered on the balloon that got shot down, right? Like, we'll never mm, see yeah. it now. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know, I think there's market, epilogue if you're listening. Yeah. Get on
2: it. Shaper and epilogue can get together yes. like, like a little handheld. Yeah. Like, shaper laser. laser, laser, We don't routers done. Yeah, maybe.
1: Now I think I think you'd maybe maybe we won't see that because you'd have that burnt end.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Oh. I think that would be probably the issue is. liability on somebody who just kind of lingers over a spot and Lights it starts fire. their wood on fire yeah Maybe. unless there's like a feedback on it for mm-hmm. self-heating or that would just shut it off after yeah. it detects you know too much of a flare or something mm-hmm.
2: patent pending here yeah yep. yep. no bad ideas yeah yep.
1: this is all intellectual property mm-hmm. so. yeah We'll get ours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You never know. Just never know. All right. So one of the questions that I have today, I'll put to the general audience and also to you guys is, have you ever seen a project or an item and decided to recreate said item? not knowing necessarily how you're going to get there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: For example, I'm making a kind of a replica Harry Potter style travel trunk. Different from like the steamer trunks that we've done for the magazine because those have been like frame and panel relatively thick oak kind of you know these were the things that went on steamships in the early 1800s sort of thing for traveling folk. The Harry Potter ones seem to have a much lighter construction, kind of a thinner fiber board maybe, or plywood. Uh, much lighter weight in their construction. Uh, I don't have one or haven't seen one. I've seen a lot of photos of originals and replicas online, but I'm making one just plowing ahead because that's what woodworkers sometimes do is ignore sanity and just full speed ahead. And it's been kind of fun because it's a little bit of an engineering challenge and it's also kind of a, you know, curiosity balm to try and figure out how to do some of these things. So, so it's like, how do you keep it lightweight? But also sturdy enough that it's not going to crumple when inevitably somebody's going to sit on it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're interested to see how that works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll test it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like there's been a lot of times where it's like, I've said we can't we don't need to buy that. I could build it, but then do I actually do it? not necessarily or there's like really ambitious stuff like what you're talking about and then i lose interest and it's like oh here's the next shiny thing yeah so it's like there is that there is
0: a delight in starting a project that does not stay with you necessarily until the
1: end of said project Mm -hmm. i will say like if i see something and i want to make it so I do this a lot with my like my bedroom furniture that I've built for myself. It's all based on some Thomas Moser stuff. Um, generally, I I have a tendency to way overthink stuff. Like not like construction wise. Like construction wise, I tend to go as simple as you can get for the most part, um, or as straightforward as you can get. But like um, I will wait months to start a project as I'm like the wheels are turning in my head on it, and like. Trying to figure out everything before I put something to it uh, or put a tool to wood. Um, the, the one that I wasn't really sure on, and I kind of changed gears about halfway through it, was, uh, I don't know if you guys remember that sleigh bed I built probably four years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the frame, yeah, no problem. I'm like, how the hell am I going to make this curved headboard? Like, hindsight, <laughs> hindsight, I should have coopered the dang thing. Sure. That way I could get that curve nice and gradual. And that would have been a whole lot less messy because I think that was, I think they were still finding walnut dust from that in the shop. <laughs> um, because I initially, I glued up these two big, huge slabs of walnut. And they were going to be the headboard. Um, the headboard, you know, with the sleigh that has that curve in it. It's not a huge curve. I want to say, you know, it maybe is 24 inches wide, two inches thick in the center, and maybe three quarters of an inch on each end. So it's a gentle curve um, and it's not sure. symmetrical either. Um, and initially I'm like, I'm young, I'm a strapping lad. I can hand plane this curve into this thing. Nope. I got about four swipes of the scrub pr- plane and said, Hey, there's no way. Like there is no way. <laughs> <laughs> well, no way in the hell am I doing this? So what I ended up doing, and this is just me trying to flip gears and figure out how to make it work. I ended up doing a, like a router flattening sled that you'd use for like flattening a slab or a cutting board or something. Okay. Mm -hmm. I did that, but instead of having flat rails, I made rails the shape of the headboard. So then it was like this arched thing, right? So the the router was going, Mm -hmm. you know, in this little, you know, hilltop hump the whole way. It worked great. um, If you didn't look at the shop afterwards, because (laughs) <laughs> that hogged off a lot of walnut over like I did it on mm-hmm. a Saturday and oh my god there was so much walnut dust all over the shop um but yeah that was that's been about the only thing that I've been like oh should have thought this through a little bit better before I started it um mm-hmm. but you know there's I mean there's always like random things that pop up like oh didn't think about that when I was gonna build this right um but I tend to just do on stuff. This is, this is why I have not continued to work on that nine-drawer chest that is <laughs> – panels are glued up in the
2: photo studio
1: because, yeah. I mean, I, I, know how, I know how the construction goes together because I've built um, nightstands that were the identical construction. But, like, this has a lot of drawers. And I don't want everything solid wood because I mean I want the torques to be solid, but I don't like want the frames in between them to be solid wood. So it's like, all right, do I do web frames? Do I do a frame and panel back? Do I you know it's working through all those Mm -hmm. other details that are kind of helping helping me procrastinate on this project. So you know, but sometimes it's just better just to close your eyes and do it. Yeah. Just do it. Just figure it out.
0: Yeah. And see my enthusiasm usually wins out and I start on (laughs) something and then I kind of screech to a halt where it's like, Oh, now what?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: I have the general idea in my head. It's just like being able to just finish that off to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, let's just roll with that and see where we get and then Mm -hmm. come up with the next thing. And
1: yeah, I will say I don't necessarily do that for turning. Like, turning to one of those things that I feel like is easy enough to adjust on the fly, and you have to. Like, yeah, you, you absolutely have to.
0: Right. I mean, because with very few exceptions, there's not a lot of layout marks you can do on stuff. Correct. Where it's yeah. like, this is what the bowl's going to look like. I'm going to draw this profile in on the ends. And
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's it's very... I mean, you can visualize a bowl in your head if you can visualize right. stuff. Um, But, like what happens if you cut in there and all oh, this big resin pocket or, Hey, you start making a cut and there is a knot right in the middle of it. You can cut through the knot, but a lot of times your tool will jump and then you'll end up with a cut that isn't quite the right shape. And if you don't get the right shape, then if you don't have a good shape, um, the right shape is not maybe not necessarily what you're going for, but if you don't have a good shape, then it's not going to look good. So, right. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's just like, well, got a chunk of maple. Let's see what it turns into. <laughs> like, yeah I, you know, i kind of have an idea yeah. where i'm going but don't know exactly what it's going to look like
2: yeah and i'm guessing with like turning a bowl you don't have quite the time and materials invested into it as like say a dresser where you don't want to screw something up that where where you, you know yeah you have to start clear over see somewhere earlier
1: is there really ever a time where something gets screwed up so bad in furniture that it has to to be started over like i guess yeah, i guess I i've never had a furniture project that i've been like it oh, just I depends should.
2: how much glue you used i <laughs> <laughs> <or laughs> mean what, type what of glue i guess you what i'm used. getting at
1: is there's always a way to fix it right <laughs> whether that's changing yeah. the design a little bit yeah so you, i mean you're right turning has a much less investment in time and materials you can screw up a bowl bad enough that you can't do anything with it. Like, I mean, I've blown mm-hmm. up a couple where it's like, well, right. don't well, shoot. I mean, that's, you know, that $80 blank is now in the garbage. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, I, th- I feel like with most things like, Oh, guess what? My dining table just got two inches shorter. So what, or, right. you know, Oh, these drawers are now half inch narrower than what I wanted them to be. That's fine. That's cool.
0: I do know what was the project. We were we built a project a few years ago on the TV show. It was all Aud- Alder, and I routed a groove or a mortise like on the wrong face, and then we cut a patch, glued like it in to place, see it? planed it flush. <laughs> do I know
1: what it? What is it? It is that bookcase. Ah ha! That's right. <laughs> And if people are watching on the YouTubes, I'll show you the patch here in a second.
0: Because we patched it, and I thought we did a pretty good job of patching it.
1: Yeah. I I literally, it's funny. The only reason I know this is I literally just seen this the other day. I'm in my kid's room, so ignore everything. (laughs)
0: Yeah, right there. Uh, Okay, so Uh it changed color. Yeah. not the right way all the time correct and we i think we posted it on social media or something like that and there were a couple of people that were appalled that we didn't just <laughs> make over. a new piece or something yeah there's
1: goal. been a lot
2: of times where i've been making something and okay now we're gonna have a walnut inlay in this <laughs> you know where i'm not trying to match it it's like we'll make this look like a feature and yeah. you know not going to put it on the other side, too.
1: Yeah, I did that on so. the dovetail tool chest I did for Popwood because the Photo Studio router collet was bad. Like, it won't mm. tighten down. It'll tighten down, but it'll loosen up after 10 seconds. So yeah. I ended up routing a couple of grooves a little too deep, and this was after mm-hmm. about seven hours of dovetailing, and I'm like, mm, nope, that's getting an yeah. neb- ebony accent in it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the... I mean, again, it's not that bad. Like the gentleman's dresser that Phil has, we built on the TV show. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I had a little bit of a hard time with some brass screws in that one. <laughs> ended up, ended up with a bunch of brass screws broken off in the side of the case, drilling them out, drilled right through the side of the case. Mm-hmm, um, and this mm-hmm. was, this had to have been like the third episode of the TV show I was on. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, look at this chump. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It gets fixed. It's fine. It got fixed. It yep. looks great. Yeah.
2: And then you find out that's every episode <laughs> that you're
1: <we're> doing.
2: <laughs> uh, but you don't feel so bad. Yeah. That's funny. Unless it's Chris.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We got a good little ding on our workbench from him.
2: That's true. Yeah. He I did. think a couple times he's yeah. routed into
1: <laughs> or drilled into the workbench. Uh, but Yeah. I mean... I don't know. To me, it's like I don't ever – I'll always do the very best that I can on a project, right? Like I'm working on a project. I'm going to do as good a job as I can. However, I am not going to beat myself up enough that it's like, oh, screw that up. Like I'm going to scrap it. I, my, I guess my pride isn't big enough that I have to scrap the entire project and start over. Sure. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, screw it. It's good enough for me. <laughs> Yeah. It's Phil's rule well, of five. <laughs> yes.
0: From five feet away you probably can't see it, and in five years you won't know that it's there. So that's true. I have switched some projects from being like a natural finish to a painted finish just because yeah. of mm-hmm, things. Again, but it's still a s- solid piece of furniture and
1: yeah, adapt and overcome. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, speaking of TV show projects, the free plan for this episode is one that holds a special place in all of our hearts. It's a cheese and cracker tray that uh, we did on the TV show. And, um, I think it was one of the, one of the last projects that Don was involved in before his retirement. So if you want to, we have a video version of it as well as the free plan. It's kind of a fun one because there's a little bit of curve cutting, cove cutting on it. Um, Also is a nice small piece that you can do for a gift or have for entertaining. There's a small cutting board in it as well as a tray that you can use for, as we say, putting some crackers on. Um, So you can find that on the show notes page at woodsmith.com slash podcast or shopnotes.com slash podcast. And, uh, we'll have a link to it on the, uh, description with the YouTube version of the podcast. So I think that wraps up another episode of the shop notes podcast, special shout out to tight bond for sponsoring today's episode. They make the glue that we use here in the shop at woodsmith and on the tv show and there's a reason that we have it it does the job and does it well and we have several versions of it the mark hopkins has a special place in his heart for their new speed set glue that has a strong initial tack on it Uh, i'm a big fan of their liquid hide glue and type bond three and uh There's always a bottle of Titebond glue out here. So if you're looking for more glue or the right glue for your projects, you want to check out Titebond, you can look at it at Titebond.com. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time for the Shop Notes podcast. Bye.